Welcome into the 11 Dubcast presented by the Dry Goods Store at 11warriors.com. I am Bo Bishop, Johnny Ginter on the other end. We had our we had a weekend. We yeah. had a, a four <laughs> or five day stretch that had a lot in it. I felt like we were surfing on a rainbow. We were taking in about all that we could. There was so much sports. Um, as, as a sports fan, of course, the ma- majority of people out there were, you know, were dialed into the basketball. If you were into the basketball, you probably weren't just interested in the Ohio State games because there were his- it was historic outcomes in the first weekend of the NCAA tournament and it was madness I mean it was truly March madness and it has left a bracket that is just beyond repair um so all it was just a crazy sports weekend I would say though that I was very shocked at what I cared most about and it's where I want to start today's show um Mm -hmm. because if you would have told me 10 years ago, well, even two years ago, that on the first weekend of the NCAA tournament, what you would be most nervous for and most glued into would be a heavyweight wrestling competition in the NCAA championships. I would have said you were full of it. I would have said you're nuts. I don't get wrestling. I don't, I don't understand how they get points. I, I mean, I get that when they pin, okay, fine. I think I have a sort of idea about how, you know, how you, I get how you win it. I've covered it a lot. But in terms of like how they get points, I, I don't even know what's going on half the time. I was on the edge of my seat for Kyle Snyder. Yeah. And and I, it's something, Johnny, because this is not my wheelhouse. I was anti I, growing up. I was anti wrestling like the wrestlers and the basketball players didn't really get along. And I was always a basketball player. So we didn't really see eye to eye on a lot of things. <laughs> and so I've, I've never liked the sport. Um, I, I don't like the, the day in, day out of it. I respect the hell out of it. Um, but on a Saturday night, that's what I cared about most. And in front of 23,000 or whatever the hell there was at the queue here on Saturday night up in the Cleveland area, I mean, that was sold out three straight days. It was a record. Um, and, and the way that they pump it up with the introductions and to see him running out, I was watching with my wife, who's not a wrestling fan either. And I said, wait till you see the size of this Michigan kid. (laughs) And they get out there and my wife goes, does anybody else think this isn't fair? And I said, I said, well, you could make the argument the other way. Too, yeah, right. You know, which is crazy. It 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 is a it was a rocky moment, except it's Kyle Snyder and he's the best wrestler in the world. But when you look at the size of Adam Kuhn and you look at the size of Kyle Snyder, and Kuhn could eat him for lunch physically. I mean, he's got him by sixty pounds. Yeah, it's crazy. It's absolutely batshit crazy to think that yeah. that's the way it goes. But Johnny, that's where. Of all the things I watched this weekend, I watched a ton of basketball and a ton of other things. Kyle Snyder's pursuit of another national championship and knowing that he had to face uh, this behemoth of a man who uh, has his own bright future in it if he wants. And I mean, Kuhn is what a, what an individual this kid is. Like he's already aerospace engineer undergrad. Now he's getting his master's. Like he just I know he's from Michigan, but I mean, this is one of the best kids in America in terms of his pursuit of excellence. It had yeah. everything that you'd want. And then the match lived up to it. I mean, there was no margin for error in this thing. Oh, it was it was really fun to watch because it was such a chess match. And I was learning up a little bit about Kuhn before the match. And, and you know, he's kind of a Greco-Roman guy, which makes sense because he's just gigantic and has these giant bear paws for hands. And I, I think, you know what, in the all the wrestling that I've been watching this, this season, I feel like I have gotten a little bit of a handle on some more of the nuances of the sport. And okay. it was really kind of fascinating to see the type of wrestling that Kyle Snyder does versus the type of wrestling that uh, Kuhn does 
because you could really see how that kind of mashes up in the, in the collegiate wrestling world because it really was a chess match. Like they're the entire match, they're just looking for some kind of little bit of a leverage or advantage. And then, of course, Kyle is able to get uh, the takedown, the two point takedown there, which was just hilarious because he's so much smaller than Kuhn, but it was just a technically great move. And then, of course, he just almost immediately lets him go because there's no way he's going to be able to like hold on to this guy. It's going to be like, you know, watching him do it on a like a mechanical bowl for a minute. So he just lets him go. And then he kind of, you know, plays smart strategy and, and ends up closing out the match. So that was a lot of fun. It, it stinks that they, you know, they, they got the guys into the finals that they needed um, into the semis and they just weren't able to kind of pull it off for the team uh, title. But that's I mean, you're going against. Penn State, which is just completely stacked and has probably the best coach, I mean, in, in the not United probably. States. Yeah. I mean, so, yeah, Gable not yeah. Him. I mean, yeah. Dan Gable did it at Iowa forever and now it's him. And yeah. Sanderson's just, I mean, I mean, it's nuts what they've done. I mean, it's a dynasty. It's a yeah. wrestling dynasty is what he's created. Um, yeah. It's it, I, the better team won. I mean, Penn State's the better team. I mean, they, yeah. they don't, it, they're, they just don't have any holes. Um, what was fascinating about Kyle. Johnny, I'm glad you brought that up, Chess. That's what it felt like to me, even though I don't feel like I have a real handle on all of it. But the, it, the you know, like they basically just leveraged for a, a millimeter of a mistake from either either guy. Right. Like if somebody made just a hair mistake decision, and and Coon did, and and Snyder pounced, and then used Coon's weight and leverage against him. I mean, just a total complete understanding. And so we're left w- with the end of Kyle Snyder. And you say unequivocally that he is on the same plane as Jack Nicholas and Jesse Owens. He's on his own. I mean, he's with those guys. Um, that that kid's a Mount Rushmore kid. I mean, I don't know if we'll ever see another one like it. We haven't seen another Jesse. We haven't seen another Jack. And that's what he is to me. No, I I would agree with that, at least in terms of, I mean, accomplishment overall. I mean, I think, you know, for Jesse Owens, what he means maybe beyond sports is, is a little hard to top. But in terms of yeah, just what... Sure. Yeah, yeah, but but in terms of what these guys have just been able to accomplish in their individual sports, I mean, I think you have to put them up there. The world championships, the Olympic gold medal, what he's been doing at the collegiate level. The United States has just such an amazing collegiate wrestling atmosphere and and, and just the the athletes that are in it. Uh, he's not wrestling against chumps. I mean, he's going against the best in the world every time he wrestles. Yeah. Yeah, and sure. it's it's really it's it's fascinating to watch. And it, honestly, I, I am glad, you know, when we talked to him, and we asked him about, uh, you know, what his future was and if he was thinking about the MMA and all that. I, I'm really glad that we get to continue to watch him wrestle internationally. Uh, you know, I hope that's something that as a site we continue to talk about at least a little bit um, because it's a, it's an important thing, I think, when somebody, especially somebody attached to Ohio State, is that good and that dominant. It's important that I think people who are fans of sports just in general stand up and take attention to that because – I don't. It would be a shame if if his accomplishments kind of faded into the background just because he wasn't at Ohio State. I don't think they will. Uh, not in this day and age where it's so easy to follow everything. I mean, he, right. people will just follow him on Twitter. He'll get bounced around. They follow him on social media. Um, you know, I, I I think now we we live in a time where there are a lot of really th- there are a lot of things that suck in terms of the, the way that <laughs> people's message can get pushed around and how you can be manipulated with. Uh, online and in social media. And I mean, it's a, it's a pretty crappy time right now in that sense, but the the beauty of it is, is it allows for a fan base to have a complete and uh, a complete dialogue with somebody like Snyder. Like if this was 15 years ago, he'd disappear. Oh because yeah. Cause you wouldn't, you're not being, you wouldn't even know where he is. You'd read about it in the Columbus dispatch two days, two weeks later that he was somewhere. I mean, you would never, 
be able to follow these guys and now you'll be able to. So that's exciting. And, um, you know, I, look, I know a lot of people want it and we're, let's, we'll get to the basketball. We got JJ Selinger coming up too, but I just thought it, it was an interesting thing for me because the, my favorite sporting event in the world is the NCAA tournament. Um, the three weeks that it represents and on the first week of the NCAA tournament, which is nuts. I was most interested in nine minutes of two heavyweights wrestling in Cleveland. I mean, it was well, just, just one yeah, spellbinding. Thing to your point, though, I mean, not only are you right about the fact that we kind of get this stuff instantaneously, and we got Twitter, and we can watch this, you know, clips of what he's doing, even if he's not yeah. on live television. Uh, I we got to give a shout out to to our guy Andy on the site, who has just done really great coverage of the wrestling program all season. Yeah. Um, yeah. Huge, huge props to him and his connections and what he's been able to write and get done. It's been a real pleasure following that guy. I helped him edit some stuff over the weekend. And he's just, he's on top of it. He was, he was excellent. So. Very good. Yeah. And he, he's one of those guys who he, for this weekend, I, even if I wasn't around it, I could always kind of keep an eye on it right. on Twitter and just kind of see what was going on. And he was spectacular. He was a spectacular, it was good. Th- that, that was, yeah. that was a real surprise for me because I didn't know if that'd be, I didn't think that'd be something that I'd be that into. And I really was over the weekend. Um, and it was a madhouse here. I mean, it was yeah. a madhouse in Cleveland. It was nuts. Um, so that was really cool. Um, meantime, about 3,000 miles away, the Ohio State basketball team was in Boise where they played South Dakota State on a Thursday. And the game, it was, it, it felt like it was going to go away. It's been so long now, it's hard to even go back to it. Um, but the game <laughs> felt like it was going to slip away. All of you watched it. Uh, Cam Williams with a four-point play and a three-point play that kind of sealed the deal. But South Dakota State had just tied the game. Mike Dom was as good as we thought he was. He was great. He had Kata Bates D up going back and forth. It was spectacular. But Cam Williams with, with a three-point play and a four-point play basically sealed the deal for Ohio State, and they were able to yeah. advance. And then, and then kind of as we all predicted, it was just – Gonzaga was just a bad matchup. It was just a bad matchup, and they—they're they, just too good. Their guard plays too good, and they just kind. Of, Ohio State. I love the fight. I love how you're down 15 and nothing to start the game, and the give a damn level stays there, and you fight and you fight and you get back into the game. But it proved too much, you know, certainly to overcome. Uh, Bates D up with 28, and what I'm certain will be his final game as an Ohio State Buckeye. He was great in the two tournament games. Um, and, and this was, this was a, this is a weird spot because typically as an Ohio state basketball fan, thanks to Thad Mata, you would be grossly disappointed by a first weekend exit in the NCAA tournament for the majority of Thad's tenure, right? The majority of his tenure, if they went home after the first weekend, you are grossly disappointed. The end of Thad's tenure and the complete uncertainty of Chris Holtman as a coach and the fact that this team was picked 11th in the Big Ten preseason led for a almost everything that came after February was gravy situation. Um, I would have liked to have seen them get out. And when I see that it's Florida State, I think, boy, if they'd beaten Gonzaga, they could have got to the Elite Eight pretty easily. And then you're playing Michigan, likely, you know, in the in the Elite Eight. I mean, like the Final Four is not that far. It's not that hard the way that it all ended up breaking. Uh, but it doesn't. It, it ends in the first weekend. I, I wasn't. I was pretty indifferent to the result. I, I felt like, boy, it would have been nice if they won, but I also felt like this this team had pretty much maxed out what it could be. I felt like they got every drip out of this team, uh, Holtman and his staff all season. So I was left on the season as a whole pretty satisfied with the way that it transpired. How, how, what were your emotions this weekend watching the Buckeye basketball team? Oh, I, I mean – I think that even getting to the NCAA tournament for me was awesome. Like, I love the fact, I mean, just being back in it, just being back in this, 
insane, amazing tournament. That's one of the best, you know, sporting events in the entire world. I, I love that, uh, that just Ohio State can at least be in that bracket. Uh, to win the first yeah. game was great. Um, you know, you're right. It was it was a little dicey towards the end, but some players stepped up. Cam did an amazing job. I think he yeah. was really great just towards the end of the season. He came back from a suspension and he really, really turned it on, um, yep. which is a huge testament to his character and what he was able to do. Um, you know, I, the thing is, and you're watching the Gonzaga game, you're, you're looking at this, and they start out, they start out again, you know, giving up 15 points in a row and scoring nothing. And you're like, oh my god! Like I, you know, they've. This yeah. is I. I think that's a scenario where if you see the Ohio State men's basketball team last season, that's the way a game starts. You're like, I'm turning this off. There's no way in hell I am sitting here for another you know hour watching this drivel because I know exactly how it's going to turn out. That's but right. you don't do that with this team because you know exactly what they're capable of and, and the kind of like heart that they have and how much they fight and they just keep swinging haymakers and they got back into the game. I think they were leading at one point. Um, and look, towards the end, foul trouble caught up with them. They just didn't have the dogs. I mean, the guys were clearly like super gassed. Um, they just don't have the depth on the bench to really keep up with Gonzaga. But I, I thought they did an incredible job at kind of establishing the fact that this is a different team. Like the mindset's different. Uh, the coaching is obviously different. But just the the way they handle themselves is a complete 180 from last year, and I couldn't be happier with the result. I mean, yes, I, it would be awesome if they get the Sweet 16, but I'll take it. I, I, I think this yeah. is a really, really fun season to watch. And I watched more complete Ohio State men's basketball games this season than I probably did the last three seasons combined. So, yeah, I think a lot of people did. I think I think what Chris Holtman did in year one at Ohio State was remind us what the program can be. Yes. And that was important. That's a big job to do, uh, to remind the fan base what this program can be. And he did that. Um, in many ways, however, this season will be baby steps alongside, in the sort of words of Buford T. Justice, alongside of what they're going to be doing next season and the season after. Mm -hmm. This will be heavy lifting. It is, it is very likely. When you think about the fact that Bates Diop is gone, that Jay Sean Tate's gone, um, along, I mean, Cam Williams. I mean, there's a yeah, lot of I mean, you're losing. I mean, yeah. it's basically, you know, even Dockich, you know, what he provided, shot, you know, just all these things that came out of nowhere. But I'm mean, Bates Diop obviously didn't. This team is Chris Holtman over the course of the next few months is going to have to rebuild this program. And this will be the heavy lifting that will start now. Um, they will not be picked to finish high in the Big Ten next year, justifiably so. I don't know where points are going to come from. I'm sure they're going to rely on Caleb Wesson. Um, I know they have a decent freshman class coming in, but it'd be, you'd be silly to rely on those kids too much. I think it's realistic to expect a step back next year um, from what this year was. And and now then we will really see – you and I talked about this a couple weeks ago about Archie and Holtman and kind of the battle – um, we'll start to see next year how Chris Holtman measures up. He was he did he absolutely crushed this year. He got a gift in a healthy Kata Bates Diop for the full season, but he got the most out of his kids, and that could never be questioned. But in terms of keeping this program at an elite level, the heavy lifting starts now for that, and that 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 will be tough. Well, and the great thing about Holtman is that I think he is 100% aware of that. Like he, yeah, this he is, I think he realized he that when we that. had him on, you remember when we had him on and yeah. he said, he said, look, <laughs> wait, next year's going to be tough. I mean, he said, right. it. yeah, he's, he, he's not a dude to, I don't think he blows smoke up anyone's butt, uh, you know, least of all his own. And 
I think he knows that next year is the true like first year because he was like you said. I mean, Thad Mata set him up personnel wise fairly well, and mm-hmm. you're going to lose so much of that. And it, the, what I will say, and what gives me a little bit of hope, because I I agree with you, they're not going to be ranked very high next season going into the Big Ten, um, like at least in terms of how people are going to prognosticate it, but. Um, I think the his ability to develop some of these guys, which is really what was absent, I think a lot, uh, especially yeah, in the last couple of years of Thad Mata's term, it's, a lot of these guys have gotten much better over the course of the mm-hmm. season. It's not just the fact that they leaned on you know great play from Kata the entire year, although Kata was excellent pretty much the entire year, uh, but a lot of the supporting guys got demonstrably better as the season mm-hmm. went on. And that is something that makes me a lot more confident for next season because guys like Musa Jallo who have incredible athletic ability, but are also insanely young and green uh, who need an off season to, to get in the weight room and to practice and to get better. I think they will benefit enormously from his tutelage over the summer. And I, I think they may surprise a few people next year. I don't think they're going, you know, I don't, I think they're going to go and, and do what they did this season, but they may be better than what some people expect. And that's, I think, a testament to Chris Holtman's coaching in general. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I mean, I I think, well, you bring up a great point when it comes to how these guys are developed uh, here and and the coaching staff. And their their staff did an excellent, excellent job this year. This is a, I just saw this, this is a tweet from our, we had Scooney Penn on uh, last week, great friend of the show. And he, he tweeted this out about an hour ago. He said this season was so much fun. It was not defined by wins and losses, but by being around the players, managers, trainers, as well as excellent coaching staff and what made, made it special for me. This is only the beginning, Buckeye Nation. Thank you for your continued support. Um, he said that after a tweet from Chris Holtman thanking uh, everybody for the support as well, in which Holtman says thank you to our seniors, players, managers, coaching, and support staff for a season full of many great memories. In addition, thank you, Buckeye Nation, for the tremendous support along this journey of team number 119. He absolutely, completely, unequivocally gets the job yeah he gets the job he knows what's required of this job he understands what will be asked of him and he's ready to take it on and so is his staff they've got four freshmen coming in they're going to be asked to contribute and i think we what we saw this year which is more than i can say for the end of the mata era sadly is an identity of what this program is going to look like and what they're what this program is going to be built on is getting after it defensively that's what they are. They're going to play defense at a high level, and they're going to play hard for 40 minutes every time out. He gets his players, and that's something he, he can reach him. And that's something you can't take for granted. And so while while they are going to have to find ways to get scoring, and I think Caleb will probably try to pick up most of that load uh, from Kata, and they're going to have to find leadership with no Jay Shaw. And, you know, they got to get somebody who can hit some threes. You know, as, yeah. as as we've seen all season long, just an inability, although they took like 60 of them in the first round game. Um, but so they have a lot of questions. But but I think at least we can say Buckeye from a, from a Buckeye perspective that we are that the program's in good hands. And you could not have felt better from a year one of a coach um, than you do from Chris Holtman in year one. I mean, reminding me very much of Mata's first year. Yeah, think about where this team was literally a calendar year ago, like 365 oh, yeah. days ago. What people thought yeah. about the Ohio State men's basketball program. I mean, that's insane. That is absolutely insane what has been accomplished here. Um, so I, yeah, I, I don't have any complaints whatsoever about this season. I think they did the best possible job that you could have expected, and I don't think a lot of people expected it because I think a lot of people were just hoping that it would they would be okay, and then maybe Holtman would be fine. Um, yeah. But I, the ceiling's much higher than that now, and that's 
that's the burden of ex- expectations. But honestly, there's, there's nothing wrong with that. And at Ohio State, you're going to get that in basketball and football, period. Yep. Um, so I, I think that's I think it's great. And it was a really great season. It was fun to watch. Yeah. There's also a unique opening right now in the big. I mean, Michigan State's going to be down next next year for sure. I mean, they're going to lose the two kids to the pros. Purdue's going to take a step back next year. You think yep. that Indiana will take a step forward, uh, but the Big Ten, Michigan's not going anywhere. Beeline's such a great coach, um, but but the Big Ten is going to have a different look to it next year too, and and it's going to be up to Chris Holtman to make sure that the Buckeyes are at the top of that echelon. And I think if we learned anything in year one he will i mean i have a lot of confidence in him and the program going forward so i look forward to it um all right for more on the buckeye basketball team coming up next we'll be joined by former player and uh the big brother of jared Sellinger, one of the great buckeyes of all time jj Sellinger will join us next uh we will also get to ask us anything before we do that though we want to encourage you to visit 11 warriors dry goods for shirts hats stickers and more drygoods.11warriors.com Joining us now on the podcast, one of uh, a great, great Buckeye and a uh, guy you see around Columbus a lot, J.J. Selinger joining us. J.J., thank you for the time. As we, we were talking about the Buckeye basketball team, and obviously, you know, you'd want to, they would have loved to get out of the weekend and, and get into that second weekend of the NCAA tournament. But as you look at this season in totality and you think about a team that was picked 11th in the preseason and a, a team that finished second in the Big Ten and made the tourney as a five seed, how, how do you put this year into perspective? I mean, this. no one saw this coming, you know what I mean? Anybody that would have mentioned that this was how the season was going to turn out early on, everybody would have said they were ridiculous, you know what I mean? So, I mean, they exceeded every expectation you could imagine. And, you know, I always say it's going to be hard to duplicate this year next year, you know what I mean, yeah. years to come. This was a great season uh, played by a great basketball team, coached by a great, you know, by a coaching staff. So, you know, they – they exceeded every expectation. They played well. They didn't. We didn't finish the way we wanted to, but I mean, a lot of people aren't. So you know, it's one of those things. Well, so I want to I want to talk a little bit about this season. I guess what was the biggest surprise for you? Because I, there are a ton of surprises for everybody this season, but for you personally, what was something that you were just completely taken aback by? Uh, you know what? Honestly, um, CJ. CJ was a big part of, you know, what we were doing. Um, you know, he, he didn't really have the season that he wanted to last last year. And, you know, we we came in thinking that we didn't have a point guard and we were, you know, we were lacking at the point guard position. I mean, he came right in and, I mean, he, he did wonders, you know what I mean? And I think our defense, our defense was, without having a shot blocker or a rim protector or, you know, the – the lanky guy that can jump up out the gym, you know, without having that guy, I mean, our defense was amazing. We were always in, we were in just about every game this year because of our defense. Even when we didn't shoot the ball well, we still, we still found ways to win. So uh, I think that was the two things for me that stood out. Obviously, you know, you have Tate, and, you know, Kate, you know, Kate Bates, the, you know, I mean, he, everyone knew he was capable of being the great player that he was. Did he exceed expectation? Maybe, maybe not. But, I mean, I always saw that in him. He just had to get the opportunity, and he had to be healthy. Um, I think that that happened, and uh, he showed the world what he could do. JJ, you know, I I said this earlier in the show. To me, Chris Holtman made us remember what Buckeye basketball can be. You know, like – when to, it's fun, right? When you can be in a hunt for a Big Ten, it it's fun. And and the other thing he did that I think was so critical 
was I think I know what Buckeye basketball is now, and and at least under Chris Holtman. And and to me, what Buckeye basketball under Chris Holtman is is a tremendous uh, effort given on the defensive end. I mean, this is the way that they play defense all year. You mentioned no rim protector, absolutely. Uh, but the fact that the way that they play defensively, and then the other thing is is the give a damn level, man. I mean, you're down fifteen nothing to Gonzaga in Boise. Like if there's a time to push the chips in and there were several games like that this year going back all the way to the Michigan game you know in December where you could have pushed the chips in but this this program didn't under Holtman to me I think I kind of know the identity of this program going forward and I feel pretty good about that did, did you do you kind of sense some of those things I absolutely agree you know um you know he said early on you know attitude and effort was going to be the two focus two focal points in, in, in everything that we do. And, I mean, that's what we hang our hat on. That's what we hung our hat on this year. Um, you know, he's a, he's an outstanding coach. He's an outstanding motivator. You watch him on the sideline, man. I mean, he, he kind of wants in the game. And he reminds me so much. And I know we've been talking about it all year, and everyone's been saying it. Everyone's been saying it before he even got here. He reminds me so much of that before he got hurt. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like, he's intense he makes you want to run through a brick wall. And it's just, I mean, it's contagious. And if you see how, how much he gives a damn, everybody else has to give a damn, or you don't fit in. And you stick out like a sore thumb. And everyone knows that you're not giving your maximum amount of effort. So, uh, you know, that's their identity. That's our identity. And, you know, like you said, man, it can't be, I can't be any more excited about it. What what does a college basketball coach have to do to get a team to just snap into that attitude? Because it felt like it felt like almost from day one, people were buying into what he was saying. That he was just like, "This is this is it. We are going to be a different team. We're going to be like tough. We're going to be motivated." What does a coach have to do to get everybody on board that quickly? You know what? I, that's a that's a that's a tough question to answer, only because you know I wasn't around for 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 Holtman's, you know, way of doing it. I know how Thad did it, man. We, anytime we didn't do something or anytime we were lacking in anything, we, we you know, I, I bring this up all the time. We, early on in our first season with Coach Mata, we were not getting on the floor for loose balls. We just weren't getting the 50-50 balls. There were times early on in the season where we were just getting out-hustled. So yeah. he brought us in in practice, and he told us, he was like, all right, two lines, we're going to roll the ball out, dive on the floor. The first person to score the basket gets goes to the end of the line. You have to score a basket to get out. And he was the first one to go. And everyone <laughs> kind of looked at him like it was funny, but he was the first one on the floor. He was the first one. Now, he might have cheated, traveled, and, and <laughs> pulled some more shorts down and everything else. But, you know, he he was the one that did it. And you know, coaches ask you all the time, or they they tell you all the time, I'm not gonna do. I'm not gonna ask you to do. I'm I'm not gonna ask you to do something I'm not willing to do myself. And Coach Mata took it a step further, and he actually did those things. And I'm sure Holtman has his way of doing it, and I'm sure he might have had, you know, situations that are similar. I I don't know. I can't speak on that. But uh, you know, whenever a coach is willing to, you know, get down and dirty with you, or just you know, or just passionate you know what i mean it, it just kind of it resonates in it, in it and like i said it's contagious you know jj you bring up a you bring up that at the beginning it's you know i only covered him after the injury so you know i didn't see that 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 from as a guy who witnessed that 
and you watched the you know the evolution, or I guess the opposite of that for Thad, for what happened to him physically, um, was that hard for you to watch as as a former player to watch a guy who oh. couldn't do the things that he used to do? Absolutely, you know, absolutely. You you could just see it. You could see it in his face that yeah. he was just you know just not feeling good, not feeling right. And you know, after having talks with him afterwards, you know, it was it was pretty it was pretty evident that you know he was. He, he was really in some bad shape. And I mean, it's, I don't, I don't mean to make this segment about coach Mott or anything like that, but um, no, but you have an yeah, interesting very, perspective. Very on it. tough to watch. Yeah. yeah you have an interesting perspective. Watch. Yeah. And I think it's linked. And I think one thing Holman's done a nice job of JJ was if, if you, any press conference where this team accomplished anything, he thanked coach Mata almost immediately. Absolutely. You know, and, and that just that just goes to show you, you know, what, what kind of coach and what kind of person Holtman is. Um, yeah. He's always, from the very beginning when, when we came around, um, he's always mentioned that, you know, it's a revolving door. We're always welcome. He needs us to make this program what it can be. Um, and we're not it's, not, it's not one of those things where we're just going to erase the history that, you know, Coach Mata has brought to this program because, you know, it's, I mean, Coach Mata is arguably, you know, the one of the best coaches to ever coach at Ohio yeah. State. You know, and yeah. Holman is right there up there with him. You know what I mean? And he's going to do – I think he's going to bring the program back to where, you know, we all we all want it to be. We all know it can be. And, uh, I'm just, you know, I'm just excited about the future. I can't I – can't, there's not enough great things I can say about this current coaching staff and, and, and the – coaches we have at the Ohio State University we I mean we just have we have some of the best well let's let's talk about the future a little bit because you're losing some guys you know after this season especially guys like Kata and, and Cam and, and all them and what do they have to do to to replicate what they were able to accomplish for the team and then maybe who needs to develop more uh to step up and kind of take some of those roles on next season it's it's going to be it's going to be one of those things where you know you just got to remember you got to remember where you were at and you got to remember where you're trying to get to and you know some of these younger guys are going to have to step up some of these newer guys are going to have to come in and pick up right where we left off you know the very first thing you think about you know is uh you know the big man in the middle it's going to be a it's going to be a huge summer for him um, yeah. to get his body to where he wants it to be so he can get up and down a little bit more I mean, he reminds you so much of he reminds you so much of my brother with his soft touch. But you know, I think he's more like Terrence Dial. You know, who I play with. You know, he's a big man down there. He's hard to move around. If he could be a little bit more mobile and give us a few more minutes, I think he can be really productive. You know what I mean? Along with his brother. You know, his brother plays extremely hard and plays. You know, and he he shot the ball a little bit better um, towards the end of the season. If he can if he can continue to be able to shoot the ball at a high level like that, you know, that'd be great. Um, you know, Musa, I, I, I tell people all the time, Musa probably had the best body on the team. And he was by far the youngest guy on the team. You know what yeah. I mean? So if he, it, it's going to be a huge summer for him. I think if he, if coach Q gets a hold of him and his body for a whole summer, man, I think, you know, there's going to be great things nothing but great things for him, uh, you know, in the future. But, you know, all these new guys, Muhammad and, you know, and Clan, they're going to have to come in and they're just going to have to buy into a program and a system that's, you know, well-established. And, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of like, it's kind of like one of those things you just got to, 
<laughs> there's no time to wait. You just got to come in and, you know, pick up right where it's left off. JJ, basketball is one of the smallest communities. Everybody kind of knows everything, it seems like. Everybody knows everybody from high school, AAU, college, all the way up to the pros. Everybody's work, everybody's familiar. What what are your what are you hearing? And I know, you know, you've got a young son, and you know, I know there's a lot of former Buckeyes in the area. What are you hearing about uh, about Holtman and his staff and the way that they're uh, ingratiating themselves to the high school coaches in Ohio and the area and the AAU programs, you know, in Ohio is, has he got off to a good start there? He definitely has. Um, you know, he's always had ties, you know, with, uh, he's always had ties to Columbus and in Central Ohio. And, you know, Peden has, you know, his presence being from where he's from. I think he's from Bexley. Um, mm-hmm. so they, they, they got a good, they got a good, uh, also a great start. You know, I was just having this conversation with somebody else today. The way things go, the way things go in college basketball, with the evaluation period only being as short as it is, you know, these coaches, they they can't be everywhere at once. They can't see everybody play. They can't see, you know, and they they really can't spend their time just following just one kid because they got to see so many other kids play. Um, it's hard to evaluate talent, and it's, it's extremely hard to evaluate talent when it's in your hometown because you got so many other distractions, hmm. so many other things going on. Um, so you know, college coaching is—it's not easy. It's not easy at all. But um, I think they're doing a very good job of securing the borders, if, that, if you will. You know, that's that's basically what 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 the term is now these days. Yeah. But um, you know, they got—I mean, Columbus, Ohio, Central Ohio. Ohio in general has some unbelievable talent coming up and uh you know Ohio State's going to be right there with the rest of the with the rest of the country looking at them and you know and and trying to get them All right JJ thanks for your time bud this was a lot of fun for us we do appreciate you pal No problem anytime And don't forget to follow the 11 Dubcast on Twitter and rate and subscribe on iTunes or wherever you get your podcast and please rate us well we would do appreciate it time for ask us anything you are the you've cornered the market on this but there's one thing i wanted to ask our listeners and that was this uh i'm watching kyle snyder i don't have the answer to this and this is some this is the things that i pay attention to when i when i watch college sports because i'm fascinated by the business of it i'm watching kyle snyder wrestle on saturday and he Mm -hmm. is uh, ohio state's a nike school and he's wearing asics wrestling shoes (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and Nike makes wrestling shoes. Yeah. How how does that happen? I'm curious. I don't know. Right? I mean, but they still supply it all. They're a Nike school. Nike has exclusive rights to Ohio State. That, I mean, does it go that far? Here's here's why I got Nike's on it. Yeah, I mean, I guess I wonder about this is like in certain sports where you've got particular pieces of equipment right that maybe some people feel very attached to are they allowed to override that like if you've got maybe, you know a hockey maybe player because like, it's a, you know maybe maybe because it's a non-revenue sport like there's right. no way you get away with it in football or basketball oh, no, hell no no but i mean i'm just surprised that like because he he's one of those guys you know like i don't know maybe katie ledecky would be the same he's on her level like right. katie ledecky swimming at stanford is she in a nike or is she in a speedo yeah, well, that's I no. Don't know. But see, that would be, and that's interesting because, as a former swimmer, I will tell you, like there, some people are very attached to the the brand that they're they're 
used to. Like they will not swim in a different type of suit because it feels weird. It's just it doesn't feel like you're you're doing right. the right thing. Like it, it it constricts your body in a different way. You're not used to it. Um, and so that's what I was thinking with wrestling. If they got this shoe, like shoot, these shoes are what I wear, and I got to have them. Then right, I can kind of see but that. Typically, I don't the, know. NCAA, the school's answer to that is, well, we don't give a damn. You're going right. to wear the ones yeah. that we're yes. you because they're paying us. I mean, that's yeah, usually how it works. Millions of dollars. We don't. Yeah, care. yeah. You, I guarantee you that a lot of the kids who play at Kansas wish they could wear Nikes. Right. You know, but Kansas is Adidas <laughs> or, you know, kids that go to Maryland wish they could wear Nike, but instead they got to wear Under Armour. So, mm-hmm. or vice versa. So, I mean, I, I'm sure there's kids that go to Ohio state that want to wear Yeezys, whatever the hell that is. So, I mean, I'm just <laughs> curious that Kyle's wearing ASIC. So if somebody has an answer for how he could do that, I'd love to hear from it. Yeah, no, that, right, I think that's, ahead. I think that's an excellent, um, I think it's an excellent yeah, question. I don't know. And maybe just cause he's Kyle. So maybe his, his cachet, I don't know. I um, guess it's because it's a non-revenue and he's Kyle Snyder. That'd be yeah. my guess. But I'm would, still surprised it, that they don't enforce it. Well, it'd be good to see and check out maybe some of the other wrestling photos and see what the other guys are wearing and if they're all wearing Nike. And maybe it is just a Kyle Snyder thing because he's Kyle yeah. Snyder. So it's a good yeah. question. And if somebody knows that, and if Andy's listening, Andy can can weigh in on this or anybody somebody else. He can tell me, yeah. Yeah, I'd be, be curious about that too. Yeah. Uh, okay, so ask us anything. If you guys want to write in, please send us an email to dubcast at 11warriors.com or at 11dubcast. Uh, we got one from Alvin again. So thank you very much, Alvin, as always. And this is a good one, especially, you know, what's going on right now. His, he wants to know, what is our favorite March Madness story or singular moment? His was his uh, was Greg Oden's dunk attempt against georgetown which is had he landed that the earth probably would have collapsed into a black hole and we'd all die um so i'm actually kind of glad he didn't land it but you know that was a pretty awesome moment so what's what do you got oh i i fell in love with the tournament you know in the when i was a kid in the late 80s and um you know in 1988 uh i was like i've always been a fan of historic programs we talked about kansas i think last week and the reason i started liking kansas was in 1988 i think they were a six seed and they had this kid danny manning and they put he put a program on his shoulders and larry brown was the coach and he put him on the shoulders and they went and won a national title they played oklahoma in the national champion it was the best national championship game i'd ever seen you know to that point and one of the best i've ever seen ever it was 50 to 50 at half Wow. And Oklahoma had uh, Harvey Grant and Stacey King and a kid named Kevin Seeger who could just shoot it from anywhere. It was 50 to 50 at half, and Kansas outlasted them. I think they won something like 83-79 or something like that off the top of my head. But that run is what led me to fall in love with what I said earlier in the show was my favorite sporting event of all, which is the three weeks of the NCAA tournament. And then from there on, there's been so many awesome moments that I've witnessed. I mean, Aaron Kraft's game winner was so cool to see Ohio state's run, you know, to the final four with Sully and those guys with Diebler. Um, There's been a lot of great moments that I've witnessed firsthand, but as a kid, what made me fall in love with it was in 1988 with Danny Manning in Kansas. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I think that's that's a hell of a story. I think that's pretty great. Um, the, what I love about the NCAA tournament is just the upsets. I mean, that, that's what draws everybody to it. And of course, you just had the first 16 seed, uh, you know, beat a one right. seed, which was, I mean, you you're watching that game, and it's one of the last games of the day, mm-hmm. and they are they they're looking pretty good throughout. Um, it honestly that almost seemed like anticlimactic because even though Virginia was the overall number one seed, which means they probably should not like they're the least likely one seed to, to be knocked out. It, it felt like they were kind of out of it the entire time. Yeah. Um, so it that wasn't that, fluky. Yeah. It didn't feel, it didn't feel as like this insane, crazy thing. 
mm-hmm. one of my favorite moments, uh, aside from, uh, you know, an iconic Ohio State moment I'll get to in a second, is when the University of Northern Iowa knocked out Kansas uh, Boom. back in like, about 2010. Um, with Ali uh, <laughs> That's right. He had a three yeah. at like the last yes, minute. And it was that was sick. That game was incredibly entertaining to watch. Uh, it was people it was back and forth the entire time. Real quick on that because I've always kind of paid attention to Kansas basketball. They've always kind of been my favorite. Right. Um, people forget how great that Kansas team was. Oh, they were incredible. Um, they were really yeah. good. They were the overall number one seed. They had Marcus and Markeith Morris. They had Cole Aldrich. They had a kid named Sean Collins, who was a first team All American point guard. They had Tyshawn Taylor. They Tayshawn Taylor. They had um, uh, uh, the kid who a couple of years ago, highest, a couple of years later, was a national player of the year. Thomas Robinson. Uh, mm-hmm. They had Xavier Henry. They were like nine deep, just absurdly loaded, absurdly loaded. And Ali Farouk Manesh, uh in Northern Iowa bounced them. They yeah. were incredible, that squad. That's one of the best upsets I think I've ever seen in the tournament. Yeah, just that one was big. People, people thought Kansas was just going to roll. Like they, I think Kansas was 35-2. and two. Yeah, <laughs> something like that. Yeah, They were above – they had more than 30 wins. I remember that, which yeah. was – I mean, they were just killing it. And yep. they nobody gave you and I any chance, and they mm-hmm. they pulled it off, which was pretty great. My personal Ohio State favorite is Greg Oden, just like appearing out of the ether and uh, <laughs> wadding the uh, the Tennessee you know layup attempt at the last second, that literally the last second of the game. Uh, mm-hmm. He was like a, he was like literally like a ghost, like he just like appeared yeah. and then just swatted it, and it was one of the craziest plays I've ever seen in a basketball game. Um, I lost my mind when I saw that. <laughs> Uh, the attempted dunk was incredible, but that particular play because it saved the game and it was just again he just this seven foot man just appears out of nowhere and and has that block that I like laughed and just lost it. It was it was a lot you know, of fun. So. I'm I'm always sad when I t- talk about that because you know so many people will talk about you know Durant Odin question like how dumb the Trailblazers were to take Odin over Durant. Right. If you watched, oh that was the last thing I covered in Florida, so I covered mm-hmm. that from the other side was you know, cause I was down in Florida at that time and I covered that championship game. If you followed Greg Oden in the, in March madness, uh, you were taking him every single day. Over yeah. Kevin come on. As great as Durant is and as great as he was, Greg Oden looked, he was like Bill Russell and, and Wilt Chamberlain combined. Yeah. Like you yeah. just, his dominance, he was a man among boys. Um, and it just breaks. I mean, we'll always have that, but it breaks your heart that he was never able to even have a couple years of that in the NBA. That, that we don't of, even have a glimpse of it. We don't even have yeah. like a blink of his greatness in the NBA because he was just beset by injuries from Jump Street, and so we which just is, never got to see see it. Which it's is sad. not on him. And he was playing with, well, of course he was with one hand the entire like not the entire season, yeah. but half the season. He's playing with one hand. Oh his yeah, defense was insanely dominant like i've never seen a defensive yeah. player like that in college basketball um yeah it really is a shame and, and he tore it up in the ncaa tournament they did not lose to florida because of greg odin greg no, odin he was, was great he was probably the best player on the court and it's just he unfortunate was. that florida couldn't miss a three um yeah no he was he was unbelievable that entire, great. That entire tournament. uh okay this next one here is from uh from david 
or from Dave. He wants to know, this is kind of going back maybe a little bit to your question to me a little bit earlier. Uh, he says, I consider myself a sneakerhead and someone who is a big fan of shoes. That's why I've been a big fan of schools like Florida and uh, this that team up north wearing Jordan gear and shoes. Mm-hmm. My question for you guys is, if you were a recruit, would that kind of stuff matter to you or influence your decision? Yeah. And it does. I mean, uh, gear matters. Gear absolutely matters. Um, Yeah, for sure. That's why, you know, you see Ohio State pushes so hard on the LeBron Mm -hmm. stuff with the association with LeBron. Um, Yeah, it would matter to me. I mean, I don't want to look cool. I don't want to. I mean, you're going to get all that stuff. That matters so much to those kids. You would be shocked. I'll tell you the two things that would shock people the most, like average fans, is uh, what the sneaker affiliation is and what jersey they get to wear when they get to campus, especially (laughs) in football. Like those two things really matter. There's a reason that every year, like the best four or five freshmen get single digits at Ohio state football Yep, because they've been promised it because it's a deal breaker. In many cases, it's a deal breaker for them. If they can't wear their number, they won't sign. So Mm -hmm. urban makes a promise to give them a number. And then if they don't perform to it, he takes them out of the number, but he makes the promise. And most times when they get to campus, they get the number. Um, So yeah, those two things matter far more than you'd ever realize and if i was a kid that would probably matter to me too it cracks me up when people like don't want to believe that that's actually a factor or a thing that kids care about you know like oh, i'm not geez. saying that's the entire reason why a kid will pick but it matters like they they care yes. they want they want cool uniforms Absolutely. they want to look cool they want to have attention on national television mm-hmm. that, that yep. means something and i, I just it cracks me up and be like no way man it's for the love of the game it's for the because of no. the school that they're going to. Because they love the school. Yeah. yeah. Okay. That's some yeah. of it. But the other stuff is something too. Right. I, You know, for me personally, I don't know that the the brand – well, I would want to probably – ideally, if I were a top flight recruit, especially in football, I'd want to go to a Nike school. But uh, I think what would matter to me more is maybe the school's connection to players and guys that I admire or like. So, and even if I'm a football player, if LeBron's coming to Ohio State football games or Ohio State basketball games, that's yeah. a big deal to me. I would, mm-hmm. I would 100%, if I'm a teenager, if I'm 17 years old in the, you know, let's say I'm 17 years old right now or whatever, LeBron's like going to be sitting courtside for a couple games a year. I'm going to be on that team <laughs> and I'm going to yeah, wave at man. LeBron. I'm going to give him some depth. Like that would be unbelievable. So I think that's a huge part of it. Yep, it is. So, yeah, I, I think to answer your question, Dave, I, I do think that that's something that I would care about. And I, I definitely know that it's something that kids today care about. And people shouldn't get so upset about that. I don't understand why people get so worked up about the idea that kids might give a crap about this kind of stuff because they're kids. Like, it's it's important to them. Right. That's okay. Um, Absolutely. So anyway, that's Ask Us Anything. Thank you guys for sending those in. Please continue to do it because we're we're approaching the the deep dark the deep dark off season, and we're gonna need we're gonna need some help to get through it. So go ahead and keep sending those. In. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, all right, buddy. I'm I'm out the next two weeks on the West Coast, so um, I will be back with you at the beginning of April. Um, but I know you'll hold the fort, and I know you'll oh, sure. keep the uh, keep rowing the boat. So uh, people have that to look forward, <laughs> which is nice. Um, we we thank JJ Selinger for joining us and. Uh, uh, this was fun. So we'll, uh, I'll talk to you in a couple of weeks and, uh, that, that's it for me for this week, my friend. Yep. See you soon, man.